listening to Q Talk Radio. I'm your host, Xavier Mejia. On today's episode, I'm joined by Tamara, Tamara, Tamara Retino. And I should know that because Tamara and I go way back. We, we first met, I believe, in 2002 when we were both fellows uh, for Public Allies and have stayed in contact throughout the years. Um, before I get into bringing Tamara onto the show, first let me let you know that for more information on this episode and past episodes, please visit qtalkradio.com. QTalk Radio is a program of the San Gabriel Valley LGBTQ Center. And now, help me welcome Tamara to the show. Hi, Tamara. Hi, Xavier. Good to be here. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to see you. It's been such a long time. There used to be a time where I saw you regularly. Yeah, like almost every day. Yeah. I know, almost every day. How are you doing? What's new with you? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm good. I'm just busy. Um, I have a clinic, you know, my own private clinic now. Um, just hanging out with my kids, making music, um, just started implementing some sound healing and that crystal bowls into my, uh, my services. So that's been super fun as well. Well, um, I brought up uh, public allies earlier and that's how you and I met. And I know at the time that we would talk about just life in general and, and, I got to know a little bit about you and your parents, and I you know, met them, and they're, they were welcoming in their home and, and sang tunes for us. And, and you're also quite artistic and multifunctional. <laughs> <laughs> On a good day, sure. <laughs> so let's you um, share with our listeners a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in Orange County, California. Um, my parents are Jews that converted to fundamentalist Christianity. Um, and I actually came out when I was about 14 years old. Um, so that was pretty tricky growing up, and it was definitely tumultuous. And it took my parents a very long time um, to kind of come around and be accepting. Uh, and now they're, you know, they're fully on board. And uh, we have a, uh, we say the most queer family ever. We've got, uh, my aunt is married to a woman. My sister was married to a woman. Um, my kids are all uh, on the spectrum of, of um, we'll say, interesting sexual uh, sexuality. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and now my parents have been super supportive of everybody. And, in fact, we're, we're helping my sister um, fight in a custody battle to have custody of her son from her lesbian marriage. So that's been really great because my family is completely supportive now. Well, that's a conversation that we don't hear a lot about, which is uh, custody battles among uh, same-sex marriages. Oh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> um, now... I, so you attended um, a few schools, and he let our audience know a little bit about having gone to your first university um, over on the west side. Sure, yeah, I went to American Jewish University, um, and I actually was living there at the time with my wife, Dana, and we were the very first queer couple ever in the history of that school, which has been there for a long time. Um, that was given married student housing. And so we fought for that. Um, and we brought up statutes, uh, the fact that at um, UCLA, 
they uh, allowed uh, queer student housing for married couples. And um, so we, you know, it took a little while, but they came around. And so we, we were um, the first couple ever on the American Jewish University uh, campus that was queer identified that was able to live together. So that was um, pretty exciting and uh, groundbreaking at the time. I was going to say, I'm sure if someone's listening today and they're, and they're young, I mean, well, I guess age doesn't really matter. Um, I think it might be easy sometimes with how much progress, progress has been made to forget how difficult those kinds of um, issues were. Can you, you know, kind of color that in a little bit more? Yeah, um, it's so funny. When I think about my kids and, and the situation that they're in now, I mean, my, my 21-year-old daughter didn't even bother coming out to me as bi because she said, well, why, why would not care? Why would I even, why would that be a thing? You know, she wasn't even concerned about it. It was just like, whatever. Um, but for me, it was I mean, deeply traumatic and deeply, you know, something you got to hide and something that you were terrified about all the time and the judgment that you had both internalized and external very intense. Um, it's, it really blows my mind how far we've come in such a short amount of time in say 20, 30 years. Um, because at the time, I mean, we were terrified to come out on campus and it was, it was especially uh, at American Jewish University where you're looking at a, uh, as a rabbinical school, religious um, university. And we were very concerned about how we were perceived or what threats we would be facing uh, and fighting to get housing there. Um, was terrifying at the time. We really didn't know if it was going to happen, and we didn't know if we were going to have to go to court over it. So, yeah, it was a very different time, and um, it's so wonderful to see how how things are changing and and what struggles still exist that we still have to fight for. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I remember visiting uh, Dana and yourself there, and um, you know, I, I also didn't know how how to be myself there because I also felt a bit under the microscope. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was just a guest for a few hours. Um, but, you know, moving forward, uh, you decided to sort of take a different direction with your career, uh, your, your, your education. And how, how do you get to a place um, of Madison, how did you arrive at that? This is what I'm going to study, and then not just traditional medicine. Right. Well, I uh, was very ill for a while. Um, I lost the ability to walk. I lost the ability to almost use my hands completely. Um, I was very, very sick, and all the water treatments that I was getting were just making me worse. We didn't really know what was happening at the time. Um, I basically lost consciousness, ended up in the hospital, and all the Western treatments were making me sicker. And a friend of mine said, why don't you get acupuncture? And I said, that's hilarious. It's all, you know, all the, the best Western medicine isn't helping me. Why would I do that? And she said, you know, we'll help you pay for it. Just come on and, and let's do it and see what happens. I said, okay, fine. When they brought me in to the acupuncturist, my hands were sheet white. Because I had I had no circulation, they were ice cold. I could barely sit up by myself. I basically had to be carried in. And while I was on the table, I watched the color come back into my hands, and I started to 
feel things again. And I could sit up by the end of the session, and within a few days, I was taking steps. So it was incredibly powerful for me, the combination of both acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine. And I um, found myself being able to function again. It was literally life-saving and life-changing for me. Later on, I did find out that in our family, we have uh, a genetic illness of mitochondrial disease that was um, affecting my muscles and my nerves. And so it's something that I'll have to uh, fight with, or not fight with, but contend with uh, my whole life because you have mitochondria just about everywhere. And so for me, part of my self-care is to get acupuncture for myself and to do Chinese medicine. And that has really helped me to function and sort of help keep things in check and really um, give me the energy to get through the day and to get up and to function um, pretty well, I think. So, yeah, doing, doing pretty well. Well, let's break down the whole philosophy because um, there's Western medicine and there's Eastern medicine. Are those actual terms? Are those medical terms? Or I mean, I think it's what we, we come to understand. I'm, I don't think that they're great, great terms because obviously um, different medical thoughts come from different places. There was part of Western medicine came from, from Asia and from Persia and from all different places in, in the world. So this may be a misnomer. But when we talk about Western medicine, we usually mean standard care that you would go to get at the hospital, um, standard drugs that come from ph pharmaceutical companies. And when we talk about Eastern medicine, we usually talk about medicines rooted in China starting around 4,000 years ago and the first book around 2,000 years ago and that practice. Uh, personally, I think that we're at a time in history when we're really lucky to have both. I think that Western medicine is extremely important, and I'm really grateful for it. Uh, there's been interventions that I have needed in my life from Western medicine, surgery, you know, antibiotics and drugs that were um, fantastic. But I also don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because uh, Eastern medicine also has a lot of really valuable tools for us. And as, um, even now we're trying, starting to see that as more antibiotic-resistant uh, diseases are coming up, they're looking back towards Eastern medicine and seeing that the, the herbs and the plants and the, and the techniques that we're using are becoming really helpful um, for these new viruses that are coming up that they don't know how to deal with. Okay. Um, and Eastern medicine is very well documented. Yes, um, we have a lot of books and thousands of years of trial and error. Um, seems to be pretty um, uh, great efficacy. And, and people say, oh, it's not tested. But that's actually not true. There are actually now thousands of studies that are showing um, wonderful efficacy for uh, both acupuncture and herbal medicine. And the, and the reality is that you have to study just as much, and it takes um, it takes a lot of practice, and, and it's not something that, for example, like I can walk out the door and say, okay, now I can offer these services. What, no. what is that? Yeah. <laughs> so I went to about five and a half years of medical school. Um, in California, we have the strictest uh, state boards. We're actually re we're regulated by the state of California. We have to take uh, state board exams, just like any other physician, we're considered um, general physicians, general practice physicians in the state of California. Um, so I went to school for five years, half of it Western medicine. So I did pharmacology, I did gynecology, I did dermatology, all that um, basic Western medicine, and then as well as the Eastern counterparts for that. Um, 
And then I had to sit for the state boards, which are ridiculously and notoriously hard. Um, I, we actually had some medical doctors in our school who didn't want to sit for our the licensing exam for acupuncture because they said it was harder than the MD exam. Oh, wow. <laughs> 12 hours a day of studying for many, many months. Yeah. And um, you were in school at the same time that a major event was going on in downtown LA. Um, remember it? Oh, you're talking about Occupy? Yeah. Occupy oh. <laughs> Wall Street. Yeah. Um, I saw you out in the trenches um, through the ability of, or, or the technology that now many of us use, which is <laughs> our phone. Right. <laughs> As, you know, our phone has become so many things, um, and it also grant, gave us the opportunity to see what you were doing on, on the ground there. Um, share with us a little bit about what you did. Uh, absolutely. I uh, volunteered to be a medic um, at Occupy LA where people were uh, camping out at Los Angeles City Hall, and, and they were basically creating an intentional community on the steps and around the City Hall. Um, part of that, it, there was a need for um, medical care and health services um, on a daily basis, just what people need every day. Also, there was a need because we did start to incorporate many of the homeless in the, in the community. Um, and with that, and also we were near the prison, and some people that would come up prison also came uh, and joined into that community. So there was a, a diverse um, range of needs, and many of those were mental health or um, drug-related uh, needs as well. Um, so I was there basically 12 hours a day for about six weeks, just getting uh, some basic medical care, emergency care, doing triage screenings for um, mental health as well, and getting people to the appropriate um, resources, and also using uh, acupuncture there as well. Um, I, my university that I went to for um, acupuncture, Dongook University, we actually set up a mobile clinic there and were able to give free acupuncture care to the people that were living in there at the time. Well, I mean, it really takes a community to make anything really thrive. And Absolutely. That includes um, standing up, right, uh, protesting, exercise, exercising our rights. Um, uh, I I I um I wanted to invite you to come on to the show to speak about um, what you're doing today with your practice. Um, it's quite fascinating to look at your life today and you know, that you run your own practice and that um, you have your own patients and clients. What what, what patients? Patients? Okay, yeah. <laughs> your own patients and. Um, I remember going on to your, your website and you really break down uh, the treatments um, in a few ways. I remember that there is like an, a basic assessment and then there were, there was a, or did you call it a basic assessment or initial assessment? Initial assessment, sure. Um, what is that? What, what's the purpose of the initial assessment? What, what, what are you looking for or what? Okay, so um, Chinese medicine is very different from Western medicine in that Western medicine often kind of has a laser focus on one issue. You go to your eye doctor, you go for your shoulder. 
for me, I want to get a really comprehensive history on my patients to see what's going on because we're looking at the whole person and we're looking holistically at how systems are connected. Uh, so I send folks out um, a really pretty thorough questionnaire where I want to see what's been going on since you were little. I want to see what's going on with your diet, with your sleep. How do you feel hot? Do you feel cold? Um, what's going on with digestion? What's going on with your lungs? Have you had skin rashes? Um, have you had any traumas that you want to share with me? Because sometimes trauma and our past can really affect our, our current health or how our, our body systems are responding. Um, I want to know about mental illness, if uh, there's any concerns about that. Drug use. Um, uh, there's an optional section where people can, if they choose to, they can tell me about their personal situation because that very much plays into our health. So if maybe you're in a polyamorous relationship, maybe you're a sex worker, um, whatever that is, if you're, um, if you're trans and you're on hormones, there's a space for you to be able to, to share all that information so that we can really treat you as a whole person and address things that sometimes get missed. Um. You bring up a, a, a specific memory, which is that of being hot or cold. And uh, you know, I was diagnosed with hypoglycemic, oh my goodness, like in 2008. Yeah. Um, and the doctor just said, oh, you know, we ran in the lab and we were looking at sugar levels, and, and then he said, well, you know, we concluded that you're hypoglycemic. I said, oh, okay. I didn't really understand what it was meant. Mm-hmm. So I went back home and I Googled hypoglycemia. Well, then, more or less, there wasn't a lot of information online about hypoglycemia for me. Mm-hmm. And so the little bit that I read um, didn't touch on hot or cold. Mm-hmm. They didn't really let me know what to watch out for. In fact, there weren't even any dietary suggestions. Mm-hmm. And so um, that diagnosis, uh, my awareness of it has evolved with time and with the forum, forums that have formed online. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what I can tell you today is that now I know that if if I feel cold, that means I most likely haven't had enough protein that day. Absolutely. And I didn't know that before. And for years, before even the diagnosis, I would always be cold. And it, it did not matter if I had, you know, four socks or a sock on, if I had a jacket on. It did not. I was always cold. And, and similar symptoms that are associated with hypoglycemia. I didn't know those were symptoms of being hypoglycemic. Absolutely. Um, only in the, in, in the, in the um, latter years, do I realize, oh, I've been hypoglycemic for a long time. And I was diagnosed with being hypoglycemic, and I still didn't with being hypoglycemic. Today, that's very different. So, um, can you wish us? So, to get a little bit esoteric, we would 
go back to the basics of Chinese medicine, a lot of metaphor. So it might sound a little bit woo-woo, but we're talking about real physical things. We're just using a metaphor to talk about it. So when we talk, you've heard of like yin and yang, and like the, the tai chi symbol or the, you know, the yin and yang symbol, right? Um, and so the yang aspect is um, that kind of associated with um, uh, masculinity, but when we say masculinity, we don't necessarily mean it in a traditional sense. It's um, it, you can be female and totally femme, but have masculinity in that, you know, in, in as part of that. We all have both masculinity and femininity in, in, within us. Um, but so yang is this. Uh, you know, you think of like red, fire, red, fire, and activating elements. It's our energy, our kinetic movement, all that. And then the yin is the complement for that. So it's, we say seven, it's the it's, it's the support, it's the substance, it's um, the cooler, darker, that kind of thing. So what we want is, is to create balance in the body with both substance and movement, with, you know, all these different um, polarities. And we want to we want to create a spectrum of harmony and balance between these things. And they can always change into each other. That, um, they're not, it's not a binary, even though it sounds like a binary. Each of these things exist within each other, and they grow and feed each other and go kind of back and forth. It's kind of a, a dance. Uh, so hot or cold, that tells me a lot of different things. That, um, if somebody is, is running hot, uh, they may be having an excess of testosterone. They might um, have been exhausted, and they've sort of they we call it an empty heat, where it's not that you have too much fire, but you've burned up your you know how you kind of burn burn up the oil in your gas tank, and so it's like this heat gets generated out of emptiness and not out of too much heat. Um, so we may need to supplement you and give you more yin things that are more kind of juicy and cooling and substantive. Um, and focus on your physical substance and maybe more rest. Um, if you're running cold, um, that might show me that you're having issues with heart or circulation or, like you said, the digestion. You don't have enough digestive fire, which would be that protein and fats aren't you know, circulating in your system in the same way. So we want to supplement that and give you herbs that are warming and treatment. Like I use moxibustion, which is burning some mugwort herb. Um, you know, on acupuncture points to bring more warmth and heat into the body to help balance that out. Does that answer your question? No, yeah, no, absolutely. No, absolutely. And um, I think it also helps uh, somebody like myself learn how to gauge where maybe something that's being neglected, you know, perhaps not eating at the right time, or, or maybe um, skipping a meal was the effect, right. you know, or, or the reason that the effect comes up. Or, um, but and that's definitely something that we look at as part of, a, you know, a traditional acupuncture treatment. It's not just coming in and getting needles and walking out. We're going to look at your life. We're going to recheck that every every week. Where are you at? Where are you at emotionally? Where are you at physically? What is your diet? You know, what are you eating? What can we do to change that and supplement it in ways that are easy for you and are easy to apply? Because we also want it to be sustainable as well. So those are the things that we can uh, look at. It's looking at your whole life. Are you taking walks? Or what, you know, what is it that you can do if you're short on time to get a little bit of movement in your day? Um, so it's definitely looking at all the different aspects of our lives. And what are some reasons um, that people should uh, – 
seek out acupuncture that people like myself may not think about, you know, maybe conventional reasons or... Sure. So, um, you know, everybody who says, oh, I, got, I went to the acupuncturist for my back pain or my neck pain. Um, but what I really find it helpful for is for, like, psycho-emotional issues. Stress, basically. We are, especially here in Los Angeles, we are all very much under stress all the time. And we don't really think about how much stress affects our health. What acupuncture does is we have, we have uh, and our nervous system has two different sides to it. You have your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight. The opposite of your sympathetic nervous system is your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. What acupuncture does is it stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system so that you can rest and relax and kind of get back to baseline and balance yourself out and get back to your best self and retrain your brain. We know that we have neuroplasticity. We know our brain can change. And what acupuncture does is give you that time and stimulate your nerves so that you can rest, relax, regenerate, and it helps in every aspect of health, but very much um, can help with stress and anxiety. I see um, anxiety patients every week. So that's definitely one thing. Um, Another thing that might be unusual is that I do see uh, transgender patients who are going through transition, and we may do treatments to help supplement hormones. So we may do herbal treatments to help supplement hormones if um, they're not interested in taking traditional Western. So we might do uh, estrogenic herbs or testosterone-boosting herbs. And then uh, we also do acupuncture points that help to address the hormone system and the endocrine system to boost those as well. I haven't heard of that treatment before. In fact, um, I, I was on your on your website and I was reading that acupuncture is good for a, a, a whole list of things that I didn't know about. Asthma being one of them. Oh, yeah. It's a big one, asthma. Um, what are other things on that list? Um, asthma and allergies are, it can be extremely helpful for allergy asthma, side effects to medications. Um, a lot of medications have uh, nausea or exhaustion as a side effect or sleep disturbances. So acupuncture can be very helpful for that, like um, chemo with certain HIV meds as well. So it can help to balance out some of the side effects. Um, it's great for fertility. Uh, I have a lot of lesbian couples that come and when they're doing IVF or IUI, and we helped it, you know, do acupuncture to increase fertility. Actually, it works by about 30% increase. Oh Which is huge, especially because IUI and IVF are very expensive. So yeah. anything you can do to boost those. <laughs> um, childbirth as well. I'm also a trained doula, a birth doula. So um, I you know, do help uh, when people are getting ready to have babies um, and during birth as well. Um, and it's also great for hospice care, uh, especially for home hospice. Acupuncture can be really great for palliative care, for easing pain, and for helping um that transition between life and death as well. Um, are there different types of people who practice, or, or not practice, but um, what, what am I looking for, that have the ability to practice acupuncture? Or, or... Um, and can you clarify the question? Like... Sure. Um, are there a diff- is there a difference between going to one acupuncture establishment or another? Okay, sure. Um, I would say definitely for the, the listeners that are listening today, I, w- I would 
very much encourage folks to go to someone that is familiar with LGBTQ plus issues, mm-hmm. um, that has an understanding of the territory, the terminology, um, issues that may be specific, um, anywhere from lack of family support or you know things that may, like I said, hormonal supplementation for people that are transgender, whatever that may be. So I do think that, and I, I advocate for this in all parts of your healthcare, whether this is with your general practitioner, your surgeon, whoever this is, uh, research them, find out what their background is, if they are going to uh, embrace you openly, support you, and have an understanding of where you are in your life. Um, I think it's a huge Sorry, I'm hearing myself echo in my ears, so maybe it's a little bit trippy right now. Um, It's absolutely advantageous and important for us to advocate to have a healthcare provider that understands us, listens to us, and supports us unconditionally and wholeheartedly and and gets where we're at. Um, I had the unfortunate experience in my internship of seeing some supervisors who were so judgmental about um, queer patients. And I feel like you, you really can't give people the kind of care that they need if you're judging them. It's impossible. Um, I've also seen where there was a lack of understanding. Perhaps we had someone who is um, transgender that is uh, FTM and they're still menstruating. Um, it's important for us to ask about that and to understand that there is still uh, a part of them that needs to be treated there as well, gynecological care. Um, and so that gets missed often and skipped in other offices. So it's really important to do research and to find somebody that you feel comfortable with, that their intake reflects um, who you are and asks about who you are and can respect who you are uh, anywhere on that spectrum and, and be supportive. I know you brought a few goodies, um, but before we get into that, where can folks follow your information, follow your practice? Sure. Uh, my website is www.acupunctrix, A-C-U-P-U-N-K-T-R-I-X.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at the underscore acupunctrix, A-C-U-P-U-N-K-T-R-I-X. And I'm on Facebook sometimes. My business is there as well. Oh, okay. Acupuncture. Oh, I haven't seen your Facebook. Page. And my office, um, if anyone is interested in coming by for a visit, my office is in Atwater Village. Um, and I have a little cozy clinic there. So. I okay. love Atwater Village. I love it, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, so what do you have with you? So, oh, I brought some, I, I don't know. I wasn't sure what to do with So I brought some noodles. And I, I know, Xavier, you told me that you've never had acupuncture before. That's right. Hang a minute. So <laughs> no, I'm terrified. So what, I, so what I want to tell you about acupuncture needles is that, first of all, they're all, you can see here, um, and I'll describe it to the listeners, it's in a blister pack. It's sealed. It's sterile. It's never been used on anyone else. And all of the needles, um, we don't autoclave them, so there's no risk of any kind of cross-contamination. They get immediately put into a sharps container and safely disposed of. Um, We swipe the skin with alcohol, and I'm going to put a little hand sanitizer on my hands here. My hands are nice and clean. Um, We swipe the skin with alcohol, and then what I use is you're going to see there's this little plastic tube inside here. 
because our needles are so tiny, we can fit like 10 of our needles or more inside the needle that you get your blood taken with. No. Yes. Oh, my God. They're like super, super, super little. Um, what you're seeing right there is actually the handle. What you're, the, the actual needle, can you, see, you can hardly see it. Yeah, super tiny, like a hair. So I use this plastic guide tube to help me guide the needle in because they're so thin that they get, you know, wobbly. So it helps right. give me some security. A lot of people ask me if they're hollow or solid. And they're solid. They're filiform needles. There's nothing in them. There's no medicine that, like, makes you feel like people often are like, oh, my gosh, I feel high. What's in the, what's in the needle? There's nothing in the needle. The high is coming from your own brain, from your own nervous system releasing opioid um, natural opioids and natural pain relievers. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is pretty cool. So do you want to try it just to see what it feels like? Sure, okay. absolutely. So I'm going to swab your skin. Where should we, let's see, let's pick just one spot to do. Um, do you want to use something on this arm? Sure, we can, let's do, we can do right there. Since I, so I can reach you while we're talking. Okay, I'm not going to look because um, I <laughs> okay. have a phobia of needles. Okay. So, um, so the first thing that you're going to feel is that little plastic guide tube. So I'll let you feel what that feels like. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Okay. And then what you're going to feel is either nothing, maybe like a tiny pinch or a little, little ache, um, and then it should go away right away. Okay. So let's see. Let's see how this goes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you feel that. And also, I'm going blind. I have to figure out where I'm going. Okay. Ta-da. I feel nothing. <laughs> it's in. Oh my, God. oh my God! I feel nothing. Yeah, so that's that's that that's it. And then what happens? Just so then, that? yeah. So so usually with babies, it comes out right away because when I because I do pediatric acupuncture and oh. because their systems aren't as messed up as ours are, right, okay. so they and they wriggle, so they get in and out. But for uh, patients, usually what I will do is uh, let them rest for about 20 minutes. They can listen to meditation or they can listen to any music they choose. Um, and I also am now doing sound healing, so like resonant crystal bowls and drumming and that kind of thing if, wow. if somebody wants to add up to a session. So you can relax. Most people, to be totally honest, fall asleep. It's because your system starts to get very relaxed and they fall asleep right on the table. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then 15 to 20 minutes later, I remove the needles. They might get a little bit of a massage. Uh, sometimes we do cupping treatment. And I give them some tea and send them on their way. Now, do you place them in, in um, specific places according to uh, a, a specific reason they're there? Yeah, absolutely. So there's... there's uh, over 700 acupuncture points, depending on the system. And it's in combination, they do different things. It's, uh, singularly, singular, singular, singularly, singularly. <laughs> they yeah. do certain things, but in combination, they do also do different things. So absolutely, the, the, the treatment for somebody that is trying to get pregnant would be very different for the, than the treatment for somebody who is coming in for um, nausea or side effects for medication. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And so we're accessing, because the, the placement of the needles is accessing different fascia, different nerves, and different uh, places, different parts of the brain and spinal cord. What is fascia? Fascia is the, is the thin kind of white connective tissue that goes through the body and kind of bundles over uh, muscle uh, and 
fibers and kind of kind of compartmentalizes the body. Oh, unfortunately, I've seen my fascia before. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have, I have, a, I have a really bad scar on my leg. Oh wow. Yeah. It's, Oh, not cute. Not cute, let me tell you. Well, you can come over. Oh, we do cosmetic treatment, too, like facelifts and things wow. like that and scar reduction. So you come by and we you work on your scar. <laughs> you can work on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have, we, I think I actually have a picture on my Instagram feed of a patient who came in and, like, lovely, like, jaw tightening and eye tightening. And if you want to get, you know, do some natural vanity. Um, I know. I, I'm like, I've been trying to think of how do I continue to. Uh, age gracefully, but just have like a few things. Not like you said, plastic surgery, but I mean, there must be natural things to do. So you're saying yeah, that, there, so the, that the there needles, are. The needles do help to boost collagen production in the skin, um, as well as lifting. And then I also do something called gua sha, where I use jade stone and um, do strokes on the face to help lift the jaw and bring circulation to the skin and also do some facial cupping. Um, different than the kind you do on the back. It doesn't leave bruises, but it also helps to lift and sculpt the face as well. Oh, yeah. my God. Are you, you're like, now I'm coming in. We're, 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 we, 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 um, we are trying, well, not trying, I shouldn't say try. Um, we are integrating video into our studio. In fact, our equipment arrives tomorrow. So you'll have to come back and we'll have to do something like that. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's, let's look for a grant to make this happen. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love, I would love to do that. And I also wanted to offer, I mean, there's lots of great, great acupuncturists that are queer friendly in the, in the Los Angeles area. And, and I, I encourage, you know, everyone to, to seek out who's near them and it's going to be accessible for them. But if your listeners do want to come see me and they mention uh, Q-Talk, uh, then I'm happy to give it $10 off their first treatment. Woo! Yeah. That is great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, thank um, you. Oh, wow. Um, any final words? Are there, was there something that I glossed over that, that I should have asked? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I think we did pretty good. Because, you know, this is a new a, a new uh, topic for me. I've, I've, I don't know much about acupuncture, so I, I feel much more informed. I hope our listeners do as well. I hope so, too. And they can always, you know, I have a YouTube channel that they can find me at. And I, I actually have a video recorded question and answer session. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know. And there is a link to, this is kind of funny, I... I don't know if, if your listeners know who you, what YouTubers are, or if you know what YouTubers are, like his personality. So um, a YouTuber named Guava Juice came and got some acupuncture and some cupping uh, sessions uh, with me. And I think that the acupuncture one has about 5 million views. Oh, my goodness. The company has 15 million. And what's been amazing about that is that I have been able to educate 15, you know, and that's just the likes. So how many, you know, other views were there, right? Um, or sorry, those are views, sorry. Um, but that, that many young people, and so it's mostly kids from like 7 to 12 that are watching these videos. Really? And so every week I get phone calls and email messages from kids asking about how acupuncture can help them and to learn more and to ask questions and kids that are dealing with their own health issues or issues of their parents. And it's been really special to be able to write back to kids and and talk to them and to, and to inform a whole new generation of young people about alternative um, healing. It's been awesome. Because as you're saying that, it's making me think that I'm sure 
what you offer also helps with focus, especially if you're talking about mental health and de-stressing and even blood circulation. Absolutely. All of that helps with focus. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for it means having a me. lot to me that you're taking time out of your day to share your information with our listeners. Um, welcome to Key Talk Radio. I know that you're always welcome back. I hope that you actually do come back once we have our, our video up and running and, and we can, you know, transmit that. Um, so what is your YouTube uh, channel. Oh gosh, you know what? I don't even know. <laughs> okay, you know, we'll get it from you and we'll add it to the, to I the think episode it's, it's probably either the acupuncturics or acupuncturics. You can always just search under that and something okay. will come up. Okay. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Q Talk Radio. My guest has been Tamara Retino. Thank you so much once again for coming on and know that you're always welcome back. Thank you, Xavier. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You've been, listening, you've been listening. I clearly need water. I need water since earlier, and I have some there. I should have just reached over. But you've been listening to Q Talk Radio. For more information on this show or past episodes, please visit qtalkradio.com. Thank you very much. Bye bye. <laughs>